Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sounds Going On in the Background. Did you bring earplugs? A cineastic musical misadventure with me, and my name's Julian Suga, and who else is here tonight? Wow, Michael Roanhouse is present. <laughs> Sasha Otto. Julian Van Overbuck. All right. And folks, as you might have guessed from the intro, today we're here to talk about our favorite music from movies, but specifically our favorite film scores. So if you're not a movie person, per se, uh, score is the uh, typically um, instrumental music that accompanies a film, whereas a soundtrack is a collection of uh, pre-existing licensed music. And we're going to eventually do that episode as well, but we thought we'd start off with our favorite scores. And who wants to go first? I'm going to pick someone at random, and it's going to be Sasha. Sasha, why don't you start us off by telling us about your favorite film score? Cool. Um, so I picked The Social Network by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. This score album, the the actual album was released in 2010, along with the film. Um, It was really, really received extremely well. Um, It went on to win nine major awards, including the Oscar for Best Original Score. Um, So this movie is probably my favorite movie of all time. And this score is also probably one of my favorite like pieces of music of all time. I listened to it like constantly the year it came out. I um, mean, that was my senior year of college. I listened to it like a ton during like long nights of studying because it's a very ambient album. Um, and it's it, in parts, it's really relaxing. Um, man, I was, I was slaving away in the dark room for my finals, listening to the soundtrack like crazy. Um, so yeah it's it's very moody it's ambient and experimental and it does in a lot of ways harken back to some of nine itch nails uh discography um so the energy of the movie by the tonal changes throughout the album like the first song definitely feels like you're being sort of introduced to the world and maybe the tone of the whole movie almost as if it's like the exposition of the film in a way. Um, And then you get to the second song and it's a lot more energetic. You can tell there's probably something exciting beginning to happen. Things are moving along. Um, And as it goes on, it's extremely consistent in its tone, the the entire score. Um, This movie is about a tech company, the beginning of a a tech company. So there's like a lot of synths, there's a lot of mechanical sounds and sometimes it feels almost like there's gears churning Hmm. um there's also like this almost dark and um like i said like moody element to it um it almost feels 
a little sinister and sometimes a bit somber as well, even the songs that are a bit upbeat. Um, and then about a little af over halfway through the score, um, a, a version of In the Hall of the Mountain King appears. switch up, but it still has a very similar sonic quality to um, the rest of the music. And it really does signify like a shift in the narrative because the song plays over the scene that introduces the Winklevoss twins, hmm. um, which, you know, if you're familiar with the story of Facebook, you know, they're, they are a pretty big part of sort of the shakeup in, in like the early Facebook days and all the the issues with money and all that. Um, but yeah, it, it's that it, it, this song works really well with the music. It works really well with the story. Um, I just think it's in general, this, this, this score um, really excels in telling you a story through the music. Um, there's exposition, there's rising action, there's a climax, and then there's a calm down. And then, and then this very like subtle and somber, an ominous conclusion. Um, I just think it's a really great piece of work. Now, do you remember, did you seek out the soundtrack, sorry, the score, um, because you liked the movie or when you saw the movie th for the first time, did it stand out to you and that made you seek it out or what, what brought you to listening to the score sort of on its own? Yeah, I think, I think it was definitely when I saw the movie, I was extremely struck by the music and honestly, um, score is something that I never really was like super invested in or really even paid much attention to before I listened to this or before I saw this movie. Um, I mean, I think you can argue there's obviously very popular score out there that everyone knows, but like, like I think some people, I know some people who are like obsessed with music movie score mm -hmm. and I feel like I've just never really been as interested in it until I watched this movie. and. I don't know what it was. I think it just, I feel like maybe it was just because the film as a whole was so like, honestly, like not perfect, but it was like, it, it's just so like concise. And it's so like, um, it, the music and everything is just, it's, it works so well with the story. I, I think I was just so struck by how perfect the music was um, and how there's so many changes up, change up in the music here and there, there's some really um, powerful moments that kind of shock you and then some, you know, come down moments and, and somber moments. And it just works so well. I think I was just so struck by it. Mm -hmm. So I, I I actually had never really listened to Nine Inch Nails growing up and I actually like went back and listened to a lot of their music after this too. So yeah, I just- Did, did you know, uh, like when you first saw the movie, were you aware that, that um, Trent Reznor had worked on it or was that something you discovered after the fact? I did not know that, no. Um, so I was, when I heard that it was, you know, Nine Inch Nails, I was excited about that. So I was like, I kind of, kind of know Nine Inch Nails. Mm -hmm. and, 
that just kind of made me want to listen even more. Nice. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched that movie in a really long time. Um, <laughs> on but... Netflix now. I love that movie too. And yeah. I also love any movie that has one person playing twins. No matter what, <laughs> I don't care what kind of technology we're working with. Yeah. You've got Lindsay Lohan ass looking, in <laughs> double time. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. into it. So you must love uh, multiplicity. Multiplicity sure. like, must be your favorite because that's just <laughs> twins on twins on twins. Twins on twins on twins. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, Jillian, in that case, why don't you continue our discussion of your favorite film score? I knew it. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> you should Ooh. have expected it. I know. I shouldn't have opened up my mouth. Ugh, classic <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> my favorite film score is from the motion picture Friday Night Lights, largely done Ooh. by Explosions in the Sky. Explosions in the Sky is one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, I used to listen to and go to what felt like hundreds of post-track shows. I've seen them live. Um, They're just incredible musicians in general, but they have a real knack for like bringing emotion into anything, like and everything. I think someone was quoted as like, they they start out every single track with like muscle and then they leave you in tears at the end like mm-hmm. and i don't know how they work their way through it every single time but they're just so good um they were asked to join this project by the producer of friday night lights uh brian reitzel um he said that he was working on a new movie and was wondering if they'd be interested in it um, years ago, I also heard that they said yes on the condition that they would get to choose where their music went and like during which scenes. Yeah. That seems like something that the studio would give a resounding yeah. no to. Yeah. yeah. But I guess because they were like, well, um, we want you to write originals for this too. So if you're going to score the film, you're going to have like kind of like control over that anyway sort of kind of yeah but they like wanted very specific songs for very specific times and um they obviously end the movie with your hand and mine which is probably their most popular song So I'm sure the studio just like wanted to make sure that was going to happen. Um, but they said, yep. And they got signed on and they recorded it in Texas. The band themselves is from West Texas where mm-hmm. Friday Night Lights is based. Um, they were already familiar with the book that it was based off of. 
Um, and it ended up being a pretty, a pretty good launching pad because their music has been used in many films and shows since then. Mm -hmm. um, also notably, one of the best shows ever written, Friday Night Lights, the TV show, <laughs> number 33, Riggins, Texas Forever. All right. <laughs> um, big, but apparently big, they wanted butts, to use- Big um, butts, fried steak, can't lie. What, uh, what's the phrase? Uh, hearts can't lose. Mm, I think I think it's the one that I said, but yeah, continue. You're absolutely incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, just some some Texas dudes writing songs for other Texas dudes on a football field. Yeah, uh, I haven't listened to much explosions in the sky, but in thinking about them, as you were just talking about them, I feel like maybe they're the American Sigur Rós. Um, yes. Cigarettes oh, incorporates yeah. more lyrics, I think, but it, it feels it, like it has a, an inherent cinematic quality because it's mm -hmm. so much of it is reliant on the instrumentals. So that that yep. that totally tracks. Um, I would really love to read a story about a musician or a band that was tapped to do a score, and instead of making a demand that's like directly involving the music, they're like. I'll do this score, but I get final cut like, or something really <laughs> crazy or like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'll do the score, um, but I get to choose the font for the credits or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Just a real flex, you know? Um, I don't remember. I mean, I've never watched the movie and I, I don't think I've ever watched the show, but I feel like the movie is a footnote in the history of Friday Night Lights, right? Since the show is pretty much like the preeminent version of that property. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it was the movie first, and then they did the show after yeah, it. Right. Um, but I, I honestly, I watched the movie, and I maybe I was too young or didn't appreciate it enough, but it did not strike me as hard as the show did. Hmm. Also, like, no Kyle Chandlers to a Kyle Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pick Kyle Chandler every time. In a binary <laughs> proposition of Ch Kyle Chandler, you will take yes, Kyle Chandler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Why deprive mm -hmm. yourself? Um, yep. Do you watch the American football? Like the actual game? Yeah, absolutely not. So, so, so you wouldn't you wouldn't say that the movie or the score or the television show requires a, an affection for the sport of concussions? No, that's good. That's good. I'm there for like those end scenes where there's like a big touchdown by someone who broke their ankle or thought they broke their ankle, but it was miraculously healed in time to kick the ball. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it's just a bunch of lines on a field and a bunch of sweaty people in helmets. <laughs> a bunch I mean, of yelling. Yeah. Like a, yeah. What a beautiful, Pop succinct game. description of football. Bunch of lines on the field, bunch <laughs> of sweaty dudes. <laughs> a lot of sweaty tackling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Grabbing. Uh, yeah, American football should definitely be illegal. Um, all right. Well, I will continue this and uh, talk about my choice, which is uh, the score for the film The Tree of Life. It's a 2011 film that came out 
in 2011. <laughs> Jesus. Um, written and directed by Terrence Malick. Um, Terrence Malick is not a very well-known director, um, but if I had to describe his style, I would say that he is like Zack Snyder, if Zack Snyder were interested in exploring the human condition in an art film. Um, so the soundtrack is by Alexandre, Alexander uh, Desplat. Uh, he's a French uh, composer. Um, he's composed numerous film scores, perhaps most famously, um, he scored the final two Harry Potter films. Um, but he's, ju he's just, he's everywhere. Um, you've definitely heard his work before. And uh, The Tree of Life is an interesting film. And by interesting, I mean it's pretty pretentious. Um, but it, it basically tries to talk about the human condition through the lens of the literal geographic epics of the Earth. Um, the film got a lot of pre-release uh, attention because of the way it utilized computer-generated graphics to show what is essentially the Big Bang. Um, Terrence Malick is pretty anti-special effects. Um, you know, he loves to, uh, his, his films are drenched in, you know, beautiful cinematography, naturalistic photography, um, and then a lot of very overwrought, eh, not overwrought, but like emotionally driven human performance. Um, and the core story of the tree of life follows a, a Midwestern family that experiences a loss at the beginning of the film and sort of the fallout that, 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 follows from that um but in trying to tell its sort of parable it also flashes back to like i said the beginning of um you know physical time in our universe as well as the dinosaurs it's a really strange film um but some really great performances by brad pitt and Jess jessica chastain um but uh terrence malick doesn't really tell linear narratives rather they are these vignettes uh heavy in voiceover um with very like elegiac um camera movements um and that that's really what this film is rescued by and it's and that that um sort of kinetic camera work is is buoyed by um Desplat's score um it, it's meandering a little bit like the film, but it has some real highlights. Um, and like the film, tries to achieve a certain level of transcendence, and I feel achieves that on a, on a couple of instances, um, uh, sort of culminating with uh, the centerpiece of the film, um, which is uh, set against uh, Desplat's song called Motherhood. basically uh, just this roving camera that's set at the eye level of uh, the two small children uh, that belong to this family. And it's just this very like pastoral and heartwarming um, portrayal of, of this family at its best, um, sort of before the fall. Um, it's very reliant on piano and uh, cello. Um, so pretty uh, instruments that are capable of a lot of bass tones. Um, but that have some dynamics to them. Um, overall, it's uh, it's a score that is definitely underplayed or, or understated, um, but really does a lot of heavy lifting in the film itself. Um, the, the movie wouldn't be what it is 
without the score. Um, and it definitely makes some of the more uh, drawn out scenes, namely the ones of Sean Penn walking around this like really beautifully uh, appointed modern home, just sort of like staring off into the middle distance, um, mm-hmm. tolerable. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, I, if, if you wanted to skip the film, The Tree of Life, I would totally understand. But check out a few cuts from the from the score because it's 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 beautiful. Yeah, I remember being like obsessed with that movie trailer. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. remember if the if the trailer actually features the. So that's actually how I came to listen to the soundtrack, um, yeah. because there's uh, the the song. Uh, there's two songs in the trailer. Um, the the one that I think you're probably thinking of is uh, it's called El Moldava, and it's it's just a classical piece. It's it's an old classical piece. Um, and I was really I was really drawn to the movie because of that, like the the way it st- sort of stirs your emotion and again matches that very flowing camera movement. Um, and un- unfortunately, that 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 song does not feature in the score. But um, there there are parallels, there are sonic parallels throughout the score that sort of touch upon that sort of almost like um, like the way it sort of sends things airborne um, with mm-hmm. like the little uh, uh, like flute uh, yeah. glissandos. I don't know. It might be a glissando. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so I sought out the soundtrack because I wanted to find out what that song was um, and ended up just listening through the whole soundtrack uh, probably two or three times just in case I had missed it um, and mm-hmm. ended up just, you know, falling in love with the sound or, or rather the score um, in search of that song, which ended up never really being on the official score so yeah mm-hmm. all righty mike yeah great choice take us uh, home mine is also by the same uh <laughs> same person alexandre Desois. i my pick was the grand budapest hotel which is the Ooh. third west anderson film scored by him the theme, the thematic elements of the movie and just builds a lot of the character of the movie and the, the world around it. It just helps supplement like the craziness that's going on on the screen. Really charming uh, aesthetics that go, you know, to the songs that are meant to invoke like an old European vibe. Mm. There's lutes, there's pluck strings and boy, do they pluck those strings. <laughs> Uh, zithers, even some yodeling in tracks. Uh, um, oh yeah, it's the scene where Willem Dafoe is chasing them on skis, or chasing yeah. them on skis, right? Oh, yeah, so and um, which works perfectly because the movie is set in a faux European country called uh, Zubrovka. And the score, like I said, has a recurring main, well, it has one main recurring musical theme. Uh, once a leitmotif? introduced. And then from there on out, there's variations on this song through the rest of the film that really kind of drive home the wonderful cohesive score. Mm. Um, several songs like the new Lobby Boy stand out. Uh, it has more jazz elements, such as heavy bass and snares. Um, my favorite song, though, is uh, the cold-blooded murder of Deputy uh, Romos Kovach. Yeah. 
Uh, it's a church church organ heavy song, mm -hmm. making it very dramatic, but there's a lighthearted twist because, you know, the just watching the scene of the chase leading up to his demise is just really a goofy cat and mouse game. I would say probably the goofiest cat and mouse kind of <laughs> scene in a movie um, that leads to, you know, Mr. Kovacs' demise. Uh, there's the best part of that song is that there's a male choir that sings rum to tum to tum in the background, just like adding to the overall silliness of the mm -hmm. murder scene. Most of the tracks on the score have excessively long and pretentious names <laughs> that I think add to the theme of the film. So, uh, but yeah, all in all, if you've never seen Grand Budapest Hotel, check that out. Check Moonrise Kingdom out. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, he scored all of those movies, and they're all great. Mm. Movies. He also scored Isle of Dogs too, right? That's the other West End film. Yeah. After. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think that's I think that's right. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's interesting because um, as a Wes Anderson fan, I most closely associate Mark Mothersboro with his scores, um, <laughs> which he scored, I think, most prominently uh, uh, Life Aquatic, and I feel like uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is saved from an excess of of preciousness because Displa scored it. Cause like mm -hmm. Mothersboro's scores tend to be very like quirky. Whereas Displa is a more classically trained composer and he, and he, and he's able to add that, that gravitas to a film that like is, is a pretty zany adventure. Like it, it's, it's pretty mm -hmm. minimal on like the, the more twee aspects that are usually present in Wes Anderson's films. Like I personally was very underwhelmed by Moonrise Kingdom. Um, but then like I was totally brought back into the fold by, by Grand Budapest. Like I, I think that's mm -hmm. maybe his best movie. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, really good pick. I mean, just just you describing the way the songs sound like brought me back to that film. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very evocative. Ooh, good pick. Good picks, everybody. Yeah, I agree. Amazing picks. Yeah. yeah. Now I want to go back and rewatch slash maybe watch all those movies. Um, yeah. What I, do you think we would? Do you think we would like? Do you think I would like Friday Night Lights, Jillian? I didn't even like Friday Night Lights, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> maybe though, I'm I'm not a young spring chicken anymore. So maybe as as the cool old woman that I am now, mm -hmm. maybe I'll really like it. And so I might eat my words and take that back. Yeah, is it like is that like um, remember the Titans? I liked that movie. Okay. I almost picked Remember the Titans because for years I've told people that my favorite film score of all time is Remember the Titans because holy moly, it's so good. But I was like, what else can I talk about with Remember the Titans? And also, is that film going to be problematic at some point? I feel like it might be problematic now. I just didn't want to go there, but I'm glad that you said that. <laughs> that score so much. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Every football, every high school football film is just trying to to shake the, or just trying to chase that that ascendant level of varsity blues. You know, mm -hmm. just the best mm -hmm. football movie ever made, un yeah. undisputedly. <laughs> uh, remember the Titans? I cannot stomach because it has a precocious child character that acts like an adult. Can't fucking oh, stand. Oh, I forgot show. about that. Yeah. I think it's Dakota. <laughs> is it Dakota Fanning? No. Hayden Panettiere. Hayden oh, Panettiere. Oh, right. Wow. 
Wow. Yep. Yikes. That was a long, long, long time ago. Yeah, All right. Time ago. Uh, but but it's, it's funny that you say that, though, because uh, the other day I saw the trailer for that Jason Sudeikis show where he becomes a soccer coach in the UK. And it seems mm-hmm. totally predictable. But just watching the trailer, I was I was totally swept up in it. And it's like, y- you know, every single beat that's going to happen in that movie or show. I can't remember which one it is. But like I was still like. Seems pretty good. Seems pretty good. <laughs> Seems pretty all right. Yeah. <laughs> There's so, some good sports movies out there, even if you find sports, sports. completely unappealing. Sure. Yeah. Shaolin mm-hmm. Soccer, others. That is my favorite if you really want to call it a sports movie more yeah. than a comfort yeah. movie. Um, yeah. Any given Sunday. No. Um, <laughs> Moneyball is good. I liked Moneyball and I hate baseball. So it's on Netflix Because you love stats? Yes. Isn't that movie mainly about stats? It's a solid movie. No, yeah, I, I, it's a very well liked movie. I've just Ignor, never, yeah, I've just never seen it and I know it's about like stats. Uh, anyway, <laughs> folks, on each episode of DYBE, we come to you hats in hand and say, please, sir, ma'am. May you listen to these tracks, please? In a little segment we like to call Songs for the Week. <laughs> Going in the same order, Sasha, why don't you share with us your song for the week? My song for the week is a song called Good Woman by The Staves. Um, so this is uh, one of their new singles from their upcoming fourth album, which is out in February. Um, it's sort of a shift for them. It's like a little bit groovier than a lot of their stuff. They, they're kind of more heavily focused on like um, their vocals and harmonies and like they do a lot more acoustic as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. The so vocal good. group, beautiful as always. And I'm super excited for their next album i love that song too and i also think it's cool because right before the pandemic they posted about like one of the sisters not being able to tour as much or she was on a tour on the like upcoming tour because of her family i think she just had a baby or something like that and then the pandemic hit and i think she just got to record this whole album with them and like it's getting to perform and everything Mm. it kind of worked out that's good i mean you know it worked out for them Hey, a, rare a teeny yeah. tiny razor thin silver lining is still a silver lining, right? Mm-hmm. We'll take it. All righty. Jillian, what's your song for the week? Ooh, my song for the week is um, the song Birthday by Fen Lily. Told the truth about that show. You never I've been spell it for me, baby. Hmm? Spell it for me, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, really, really love her. Really love her new album, Breach. It's probably, I know this is early to say it. Um, it might be my favorite album of the year next to Punisher. Um, because obviously, yeah, but holy moly, that album Breach is like doing it for me. It's so good from top to bottom. So many great tracks on it. it makes you feel literally everything. Um, I'm already at the point where pretty much every single song on it has been my favorite song already. So I'm, I'm looping back and Birthday is the one that got me into it. It's really good. Birthday by Fen Lily. Yeah. Spell, please. F-E-N-N-E space L-I-L-Y. All righty. And that's what I was saying up top, but I was saying it like a crazy person. So you didn't understand me. Um, so I would like to try to start something new, um, sort of inspired by Sasha's uh, thing that she was doing earlier. Uh, but I want to start recommending two songs, mm -hmm. one of which falls directly in line with what I usually listen to and one that falls somewhat outside of that. Um, so starting with a song that uh, falls squarely within the confines of Julian music is a song called A Boat to Drown In by Canadian noise punk rockers Mets. their 2020 album Atlas Vending that came out earlier in October. Uh, one of their catchier songs, but uh, definitely still featuring their trademark aggression. Um, it's basically like about like escaping with a person, um, uh, basically escaping out of a bad situation and sort of into another bad situation. But at least in this new bad situation, you have someone there by your side, hence a boat to drown in. Um, it also has a very fun music video with some really beautiful cinematography um, that has a little bit of a Bonnie and Clyde vibe, which is fun. Um, and the song that I'm going to recommend that is not within my purview uh, is the song Play by Play by New York... Uh, Song guy, uh, Autre Nevu. I don't want to be there tonight. You made me up, you made me go. Make me harder than you. Want to be the one that make me up. You made me love. Don't make me up and make me harder than you. I want to be like So a little Ooh. while ago, uh, my lovely girlfriend and I were doing a music video uh, sharing session. Um, there's got to be a better word for that. That's what the kids call it these days. That's what they call it. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, she put on uh, the video for this song, Play by Play, and I was fucking blown away. Um, this guy, uh, 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 real name Arthur Ashen puts every goddamn ounce of passion into every single word that he sings. And this song, Play by Play, 
uh, one reviewer called it a series of a series of progressive climaxes. And it just keeps getting more and more and more passionate. Um, and it's really just, it's a very straight ahead love song. Um, the title comes from uh, the, the speaker in the song calling his significant other to get that play by play just to find out what they did that day. So it's, it's a very sweet sentiment, but boy, you just feel him giving everything and every line that he sings. Um, I listened to the album that the song is from. It's a, a 2013 album called Anxiety. And boy, it is very, very good. Uniformly very great. Um, sort of mixes R&B with some more contemporary electronica, like indie electronica production styles. So um, you get really nice, crisp, clean, strong vocals with really interesting um, digital sort of weird quirky uh uh sort of wall of sound production um so really really good stuff uh that's play by play by atre Vu. mike yeah my song for the week is ego by the band moaning second album uneasy laughter uh the song is about wanting to lose your ego the singer believes that if there is a god we are not them so i guess the singer believes that god would be like a collective entity um but the song really is just about letting go of your ego so you can realize that your problems aren't any different than everybody else's and we should be less self-involved in order to help others the song has some really great guitar riffs great solo you know i'm a sucker for guitar solos halfway through a song uh it's got a lot of heavy synth laid throughout it though that's very prevalent um very then they also um produced a very 80 music video by uh anvar navarro who also did like soccer mommy and a bunch of other sub uh sub pop artists it's really it's a weird video but it's it's entertaining um, but the track is just really, really catchy. So I highly recommend it. You got it for me. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, come on. Pull, <laughs> pull your head out of your ass. And folks, <laughs> listeners, we would ask you to pull your heads out of your asses and listen to us close out the show. Folks, that's going to do it for us for this episode of Did You Bring Earplugs? As usual, our theme song is brought to you by the lovely Josh Stanley of Modaf. You can listen to their music at modaff.bandcamp.com. You can follow us on Instagram at dybepod, and you can email us at dybepod. Yep, dybepod at gmail.com. Andy, we have not heard from you. Are you okay? Drop us a line. Uh, we did it, guys. We did it. We did it, guys and gals, and everything in between for another episode. Any parting words you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, happy Halloween. Wait, Halloween will have happened already. Never mind. You know what? Happy, Works happy, Halloween. happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! A few days ago. <laughs> bye, everybody. Bye. Woo. Bye. Spookin'.
Yeah. <laughs>